Pentecost celebrates or is the last day of Easter. And it being the last day of Easter means we're in the last weekend of our preaching series, Living with the Victor. Over these last number of weeks, we've been looking at the difference between victory and defeat. We've been using the image of that Michigan, the Michigan team that won on that last second shot and how they, would run, they ran around the one side of the court exuberant joy versus the Houston player that after that ball went in was lying down face down on the floor and how that's an image of the Christian life as Paul sums it up that through the gift of God we receive the victory through Jesus Christ Jesus victory on the cross becomes our victory and therefore the Christian life then just becomes are participating in that victory. We've seen over these last number of weeks that living with the victor means that we live in a spot of hope, that we live in a spot of peace, that we can hear God's voice, that we're not bound and tied by the past, but that we can be restored, that we live with trust. This week, we're gonna see that living with the victor means that we live with confidence and we live with courage. And to do that, we've gotta look at hostile environments and secondly, we've got to understand the two advocates. So first, hostile environments. There are some just brutal places to play on the road. There are some places that are just notorious from having extremely hostile environments. I think of Penn State. They nicknamed their state in the lion's den. 107,000 people jam-packed. Sometimes they'll do a whiteout extremely hostile environment. You don't want to play at the Lions Den. You got Kyle's Field, Texas at A&M. They nickname, the crowds nicknamed the 12th man. There's 11 football players, they're named the 12th man, meaning it's such an, a disadvantage, you're playing against almost another person. And yet, if a team walks into a hostile environment and they're in the mindset of a victorious mindset, if they, then they can walk in with confidence and courage. It doesn't matter how hostile the environment is. They're not afraid because they know they're a better team. They're expected to win. They have confidence. You and I today, especially today, need confidence and courage in the hostile environment in which we live. And this is where some of you are going to say, Father Mark's been with us for 11 months here at Notre Dame. He's going to talk about the secular culture again, the hostile environment. Yes, I am. <laughs> If I was appointed as your pastor 50 or 60 years ago, I would not be preaching on it as much as I, as I am and as I do. But I continue to feel the need and the responsibility to stand here and to preach, to highlight what you, are, what you know, but to highlight when we come together on Sundays, at least to highlight the fact that it is becoming increasingly hostile environment against Christian values. It's be, becoming increasingly more pressure upon us, no matter whether you're a family and you're raising children, you are a student in junior high, high school, you're home over college, you're a young professional, wherever you're at, the pressure to conform to the world is increasingly being notched up more and more. And so we need confidence and courage. I was sharing with somebody a little bit ago, just this past week, I was talking to a couple high schoolers and 
Like, I feel I normally do pretty good with confidence and courage in the face of the hostile environment in which we live in the culture. But after, like, sometimes, and this past week, talking to a couple high schoolers and then sh them sharing me of the things that they are facing in high school, like, I was struggling with discouragement. I was struggling with the discouragement of just the thought of them in school and the things and the pressure for them to conform to the things of the world. But we're not alone as far as the discouragement goes. As we celebrate Pentecost today, we know that the apostles after Jesus' death and resurrection, they of course were in a hostile environment and they were scared. They lacked courage. They lacked confidence. Even though, that they, even though they lived with Jesus for three years, they were not living with the victor after his death and resurrection. They were in need of something, someone, reminders, and the Holy Spirit to give them the confidence and courage that they needed to go out in the hostile environment. Which brings us the necessity of us to know and understand the two advocates that we hear in John chapter 14 in the text today. Jesus, as he's talking about leaving to his disciples, he says this in John 14, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to be with you always. So that implies that there's two advocates, or it doesn't imply it, it's Jesus saying there's two advocates. Who's the first advocate? I'm going to, the Father's gonna send another advocate. The first advocate is Jesus. But what does Jesus do? Jesus now, after he ascends to heaven, as we talked last week, he sits at the right hand of the Father as our advocate. An advocate is a, it's a term used in, in court. It's used as an attorney who represents you in court. First John chapter one says that the Father will send us Jesus Christ who is our advocate so Jesus is our advocate, the first advocate. He's a lawyer. And so when someone's involved in illegal proceedings and they have to stand before the judge or they have to stand before a court, the first thing they do is to seek out and get a lawyer to defend them. And if it's a tough case, you're out of your mind to stand before a judge, a court without a lawyer. And if, without a good lawyer, Jesus represents us. He's our advocate. So when we sin, he now is constantly sitting at the right hand of the Father, pleading on our behalf, and he's always defending us. And I think a lot, to grow in confidence here, we have got, a lot of times we have this incorrect image of even of this. It's like, okay, I sinned. So Jesus goes before the Father. He sits at the right hand of the Father. He's, he goes before the Father. Then he says, Father, I'm back again. Here, you, know, you know Mark, and he's always saying how he's not going to do X, and he's not going to do Y. Well, he did X again. He did Y again. Give him one more chance. And the Father says, all right. And part of us thinks, like, well, even Jesus has got to get tired of doing that, continuing to go back. Even Jesus has got to get tired of like getting us off the hook. But a good lawyer, a good lawyer doesn't just stand there and say, hey, cut my client a break. A good lawyer has a case. He stands there and he has a case and Jesus has an infallible case. 
and his infallible case is the cross. He's standing there always before the father saying, look at my hands, look at the pierce, look at the wounds in my hands and my sides. Remember I went to the cross. And so here's the infallible case. He's not sitting there just defending. He's got an infallible case that he points to the cross and that is represented and represented at this altar at every single mass to atone for our sins, to reconcile us to the Father. And as we hear in Romans today, our second reading is to know then finally that that confidence is the fact that I've been claimed, that I've been redeemed, that I've been won over, and now I'm a son, I'm a daughter of God. With confidence there of what it is that, the, what it is that Jesus does for us and what he's won for us, we can go out with the correct disposition in a hostile environment and proclaim him to a world that needs to hear him. And it needs to know that. So what about courage? This is the second advocate where Jesus says, I'm the father, when I die, I'm going to, the father's going to send another advocate. In the Old Testament Hebrew, a lot of times when we think of the spirit, we think of an energy or a force. The language that Jesus uses here, the language that's here in the Greek shows that it's a person. So when Jesus is saying, when I die, the father's going to send another person in my place. Jesus, the son, the advocate sits at the right hand of the father, a person advocating for us. But now we have a person the Holy Spirit in us, which of course there are many gifts of the Holy Spirit. Just talking about one today is courage because in a hostile environment of which we increasingly live in, we need courage. And as Aquinas says, a courage is simply doing the right, even in the face of suffering, even in the face of trials. And throughout this entire Easter season, we've been reading from the Acts of the Apostles. We've been hearing the Acts of the Apostles of the Apostles enduring hardships, facing hostility, and a lot of them face martyrdom. We don't face martyrdom. That's not where we, in the face where we, or as far as our death goes. But where we need the courage and where it's needed is where there's pressure to conform. The suffering comes for us is when sometimes we have to stand alone because it's easier to follow the crowd than it is, and it's easier to blend in than it is to stand alone. But what does the Bible say, especially in hostile environments, about going along with the crowd? Exodus 23 says, never follow the crowd in doing wrong and don't be swayed in your testimony by the mood of the majority. This is an incredibly important passage for us to know and to live in, in the, in the world in which we live today, when it's becoming more and more godless, more and more secular, to not follow the crowd in doing wrong, to not have our testimony be suppressed because we don't have courage or confidence and then being swayed by the mood of the majority. Well, everyone's doing it, so it must be all right that I do it or no one's doing it, so I won't do it. Or it's politically correct, so it must be moral. Well, actually, no. Often, a lot of times, we make decisions for our family, we make decisions even for our own life by what is seen as acceptable today. 
because we want to fit in. It's easier for us to blend in. So they're doing it, I'm going to do it. And we, we, we say these things to our, our, our little kids five years old and say, just because everyone else is doing it doesn't mean we're to do it, right? But we need to own that. We need to continue to say that to our, to our children. But how about us? More and more in a hostile secular culture, if they're doing it, so I'm going to do it. They're not doing it, so I'm not going to do it. We have got to be able to stand alone and not blend in. So question, like questions to ask, is my family blending in too much? Am I raising my children too much, like blending in too much on how everyone else is raising their children in the culture? Is my mar does my marriage and our priorities in our marriage look the same as the world? Does my life look too much like the world? So the pressure to conform, that is standing at the water cooler at work, it's standing at the locker at school. When you feel pressure to conform to do something that you know is not right, to say something that you know is not right, whether that's standing up at the water cooler to your boss, to a coworker, to a student, to your teacher, you feel pressure of others, like this doesn't feel right, this goes against my values, this goes against what I know is right, is to remember that the Holy Spirit gives courage, that I have a person in me, the Spirit, that I'm, even when I stand alone, I'm not alone. But we've gotta be willing to not follow the crowd. And to end, to end, I think it's important to say, this is not just to say, okay, the world's over here. I'm, I'm over here, don't confirm. At the end of the day, what does Pentecost point to? Is that we are called to be angels of transformation in the culture. In a, in a world, in a culture that's increasingly crying out, that's increasingly hurting, that's in need of healing, that's in need of love. As I shared with the eighth graders at graduation last Friday, I said, you're going, you're going to be going off to high school and you're going to be walking in the classroom the same age of, 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 the, of the young man who, who, who did the shootings in Texas. And what's not talked about a lot of times in the news of even the, the case with shootings, does policy need to be discussed and talked about? Absolutely. But what's not oftentimes talked about is at the core of the issue, the root of the issue, and is the fact that this young man wanted love. He was looking for love. Comments that he said about the fact that he, he knows his dad doesn't love him, that he hasn't talked with him in a while, that, he, that he's in a strange relationship. The young man's looking for love. The young man's looking for healing. If we don't bring it out, who the solution is Jesus, it is Jesus's healing. It is Jesus's love. Then who's going to do it? If we are not living with courage and confidence, we're not going to do it if we're not living with a victor. So on this Pentecost, let's pray for a downing point of the Holy Spirit upon us that we increase in confidence of what it is that Jesus has done for us, that we increase in courage of the person the Holy Spirit is in us so that we can evermore live with the victor.